I want to begin by thanking Rita for that extremely mournful and lamenting reading of the Psalm of Lament. Honestly, I was almost in tears just given the really true expression of that psalm. The church tends to stay away from psalms of lament and despair, and especially when there's vengeance or violence named in the psalm. We want nothing to do with that. We edit and pare away those parts of the psalms when we bring them into our worship. Um, And that happened even in today's psalm. If you continue with reading Psalm 69, uh, you hear calls for things like punishing the enemy. So this is how, if we were to continue reading Psalm 69, where Rita ended off, we would hear... Let their table be a trap for them. Let their eyes be darkened. Let your indignation pour out on them. Let your burning anger overtake them. Let their camp be a desolation. Let no one live in their tents. We didn't read that part. (laughs) It makes us squirm a little. Even uh, hearing Rita read those just like desolate words is sad and uncomfortable. We don't want to feel that, not in church. So to know that the Bible, this is in the Bible, it makes us squirmy and uncomfortable. And especially like, especially with those uh, vengeance parts, we peace-loving people don't like to read those parts. We want to deny that we can express those kinds of emotions. And even in sort of popular, popularly portrayed religion and the biggest names in evangelicalism, those uh, mega church pastors who are on TV, the, this is a faith uh, as popularly uh, portrayed that's sort of declarative and just positive. And uh, does anyone know the chant? If I say, God is good. All the time. All the time. This is the religion that we're supposed to understand, the fa- kind of faith we're supposed to have. God is good all the time. And, if, and life is good, and if I'm good, God will bless me. And catastrophe or illness must be correlated with some kind of sin or evil on my part. And trials are a blessing because we are not given more than we can endure, except sometimes we are. Ex- except expressions of fear and doubt or sadness, that would be an act of faithlessness. It would be distancing. We might pull out a psalm of lament for a worship following a great tragedy or for a longest night service, but don't, don't dwell there too long. But the problem is some of us do dwell there. Sometimes depression or anxiety are constant companions. People are sad. People get angry. And we are created good by God. So what? how do we reconcile that? One thing we can do is turn to the Psalms. In the Psalms, 
these songs of disorientation, the songs that recognize that the world sucks sometimes, that life is scary and hard, The people are jerks. Those psalms are there for us. And rather than assuming that that those expressions of our basest, most icky, cringy emotions will distance us from God, when the psalmist expresses this lament and anger and even pettiness, there is an assumption that that is bringing us closer in toward God. These psalms assume an intimacy in relationship to God because God can bear it. It is the right place to bring it. Those of us in families or close friendships or close relationship, we understand that it's often the ones with whom we are most intimate that we have the most trust, and therefore we are the freest to express our grossest selves. The outbursts, the vitriol, the flailing around that wouldn't be expressed here at church, for example. Or those outbursts and flailings that our children save till after school when they get home in the car or in the car. Uh, One day this past week, I took the wrong route home from daycare. I misunderstood when I asked my child which way he wanted to go home. (laughs) We took the wrong road. And, oh, the tantrum. It was as if I had killed his puppy. I was threatened... He was going to destroy my car, cut me up, destroy our whole house, shoot me. It's all your fault! And we laugh, and I try very hard not to laugh because that would make it so much worse. He was so angry. And he trusts me with that. The psalmist is angry and a little blamey. It's all your fault, God. And throw that into despair, the feelings of being overwhelmed and assaulted. It's for your sake, God, that I'm doing this, that I'm feeling this way. It's on account of you that I'm maligned and harmed and ganged up on. And through that, God is friend, companion, patient mother. And please know that I am not comparing myself to God. (laughs) I am not God. God is the one who bears it and leans in when we least deserve it and most need it. The psalmist is fearful, feels helpless, and sounds a little like a sulky child at some points. But we, all, we have these moments, we, the best of us, feel so utterly overwhelmed that we cannot find a foothold. The flood has reached up to our heads and we are about to go under. 
And absolutely, as a parent, I've heard some of that petulance and anger, but I've been the angry, overwhelmed child myself. I can remember being a senior in high school when I was the editor of our high school yearbook. I was also on the student council, and of course I was trying to succeed academically, and I had you know, relationships that I was trying to maintain, and we were planning for a big school trip. And I can remember my friend coming into the cafeteria one day and asking me in kind of a jokey way how I was doing, and I just broke down. It was like, I'm sure some of you can identify with it, just like that was just even poking that little, puncturing that little balloon of emotion, just like, I just broke down sobbing on the steps, and she was just like, what? I did not understand what was happening, but because she was a good friend, sat with me, rubbed my back, was there for me, and as an adult, I have absolutely had moments like that, too, where just the long list of things have built up and the stress and the pressure and trying to meet academic job demands. And I have a memory of a particular moment in my early 20s sitting in the office of an older mentor and kind of the same thing. She's helping me like breathe through, breathe through the tears and the emotion and assuring me that she will be there with me and that it will be okay. I deeply resonate with the psalmist's laments. I am exhausted from crying. My throat is raw. And my default default when overwhelmed is definitely tears. But for some of us, it comes in lashing out in anger, blaming, accusations, naming, name-calling, and meanness, threats. God is there for it. You'll hear most people who preach on the Psalms quote Walter Brueggemann. Megan did it. I'm not going to be any different. Brueggemann has spent some time with these texts. In a sermon he gave on those highly emotive and overwrought and vengeful Psalms, he says this. The Christian position is one that we shouldn't feel that way or express those emotions. But what if you feel that way? The question is, If you feel that way, what are you going to do with it? And I can only think of three things you can do with your thirst for vengeance. You can get a gun, and you see people do that. You wouldn't do that. You can deny it, but what happens when you deny it is that it tends to come out elsewhere that you didn't plan on in your family or somewhere else. The third thing you can do, which is something Freud understood well, is that you can give it over to your therapist You can give it over to God. And I propose that's what they're doing in the Psalms. They're saying, I am being eaten alive by my anger, and I'd like to hand it over to you. End of quote. The Psalms as holy therapy. God as trusted counselor. When my child threatens to destroy me, or says, I'm going to destroy you, when he express when he lashes out he's expressing his trust that i will still be faithful to him because of course he doesn't want me to be destroyed he wants me to give him a big hug and i will take his anger 
and I will still embrace him. There is a lot to be angry about. And there is so much reason to despair. We are overwhelmed and we are drowning. We could even take it literally when we think about the rising sea levels due to climate change and so many other global and social injustices compounded, of course, with our personal crises and mental and physical illnesses. It can feel paralyzingly like too much. Giving these over to God will not make them go away. The Psalms of disorientation do not believe in that kind of transactional exchange when they are crying out. But the psalmist knows deeply that God is present in the pain. Knows God to be companion and friend and mothering one. The father gathering you up in the rocking chair after a night terror. When Joe and I got married, we chose as our wedding text Isaiah 43, verses from the beginning of Isaiah 43, which is a promise of God to God's people. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. This was an idea lovely to us, of course, because we were making these promises to each other. But also, we understood and still understand ourselves to be held by God, the one who will be with us through fire and through flood. And then, at the beginning of our relationship, 15 years ago next week, uh, we knew that it would not be easy to be married. And sometimes it has not been. We knew that there would be anger and weariness and pain, and that has definitely been our experience as we bought a new home and have tried to make decisions about it together. But we trusted God to be our companion through that anger and through that pain, And I also know that God is present in the sometimes painful and wrenching decision to end marriages. Walk a new path. God will be there through it. My prayer for this church when we read these psalms of lament and disorientation together is that we will also be there and with each other. We will create space for grieving, for anger, Not long ago, when I was in spiritual direction, I lamented that I hate it when people ask, how are you, just casually, because no one really wants the answer to that question. And at the time that I was lamenting this, I was tired and overwhelmed and anxious about becoming a homeowner and worried that I didn't know what I was doing and too busy at work and still trying to be a good parent to my children, good spouse to my husband, and feeling like I was not enough in any of these situations and that question, how are you, really did want to make me collapse in tears, but nobody that I was, that was asking me really wanted to hear my sob story. But I don't like being dishonest. And 
Then, recently, someone from this congregation said to me, I know that when I come to SMC, when people say, how are you, they really mean it. Yeah, that's true, too. (laughs) It's true, too. And I pray that it may continue to be true in our midst. My spiritual director says that she always answers that question with, I'm in the messy middle. (sighs) May we hold each other in the messy middle. In the flailing and the crying and the ugly tears and the tantrums and the angry screaming. May we offer each other the kind of intimacy that God offers to us. May this psalm that we read today be our psalm and all those like it. May we have voices to speak it when it is our need and ears to hear it when it is being cried in our presence. And may God carry us always through this overwhelming flood.